This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. Welcome back to the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio. Great to be back for another episode on today's show we've got a really really nice fella um, his name is joshua haynes aka josh haynes he's a hunter shooter and fisher from south australia i thought i'd get him on the show because he's got a really good a uh, lot of pictures on his instagram account especially around um hunting dig you know red stag ruser fallow uh, he's certainly got some access that would probably make most of us if not all of us Absolutely jealous of the type of deer that he's getting on camera here. Absolutely fantastic. Definitely loves his fishing too. I see him out there catching jewfish, carp, and uh, seems like an all-round top bloke living down there in South Australia and basically enjoying the hunting lifestyle. Now, I know he works as well, but I know I would love to, and I'm sure a lot of people would actually love to. We could just quit our jobs and just go hunting and fishing. <laughs> That'd be the ultimate scenario, to be brutally honest. I wish, wish I had enough money to do that. Unfortunately, I don't. Like all of us, including Josh, we all have to have uh, full-time jobs to uh, support ourselves, uh, to support our families. But uh, when he's not working, he definitely gets out there and loves to hunt shoot and fish and make a lifestyle out of it as well he makes sausages uh, i'm just looking at his p- uh, pictures here on instagram as well you know putting animals on spits you know mincing for sausages jerky and those types of things uh basically it's a way of uh, basically a way of life for Josh. So really, really excited to uh, get him on the show. Of course, as usual, if you want to listen to the show, it's all that good stuff that I mentioned. Pretty much every single show, Spotify, CastBox, the Podbean app, iTunes, Google, it's on YouTube. It's absolutely everywhere if you just type in Australian Hunting Podcast. If you can leave a five-star review, if you do like it uh, on Apple iTunes, I'd really, really appreciate it. We're doing very well with good numbers uh, on the shows. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited for the future. So um, it's going to be really exciting to get Josh on the show. If you want to email me for any reason, australianhuntingpodcastgmail.com. Of course, if you want to just want to check out the show, you can go to australianhuntingpodcast.com.au and click on the past episodes list and you can see all the podcasts we've done almost up to getting to 265. Probably by the time of airing this show, we'll be getting close to that number and uh, what an absolute milestone over 10 years. So looking forward to getting to speak to Josh. So we'll just get straight into it. So without further ado, Let's get into my interview with Josh Haynes. Josh, welcome to the show, mate. Thanks for joining me. Great to have you here. No worries, mate. Thanks for having me on. Excellent. Mate, tell us about yourself first. Who are you? What do you do? Yeah, let's just start there first. Yeah, mate. I'm um, just a general bloke in Adelaide. I live in Adelaide, South Australia. I work at the um, Royal Adelaide Hospital. Um, I'm a qualified chippy, but I do maintenance there, Um, which is to like at the moment with the COVID and the pandemic, mate, she's pretty busy, but. In general, she's yeah. flat out there because the place is huge. So, yeah. yeah. What, what and what? Good job. Do you enjoy it or? Yeah, mate, I do enjoy it. You get to you get a quite a um, wide variety of um, jobs to do there. You meet heaps of people, mate. You chat um, chat all day to different people. Some opportunities come up about hunting and fishing and stuff like that, which is pretty cool, especially with patients. But um, there's a good bunch of guys there that I work with as well. So you get to catch up with them every day and and um, yeah, get stuff done. Yeah, well, how long have you been doing that for? I've been there for nearly five years. Yeah, so since basically since about six months before it opened up. 
to the public. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, mate, I'm looking at your photos here. Like I said to you before we got on the air, I said most people would think you're bloody hunting full-time with these photos you're putting up. Most people are licking their lips saying, oh, we wish we were Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I get that a fair bit. I get, I get a lot of comments saying, do you actually work? It's like, well, mate, when I'm not when I'm not working, I'm, I'm running the country. Like, I'm my car's going flat out. I'm driving here. I'm driving there. I've got my camera out. I'm just making the most of it, you know, and in amongst that with family as well. But. Yeah, I'm pretty busy. I don't sit still much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mate, it definitely looks that way. So how did you get into hunting? Was it, um, you, you know, friends, family, dad? What was it? Well, I grew up down the southeast at um, Padway, um, which is about 350k southeast of um, Adelaide. And, um, yeah, basically from a young age, just been on the farm there and, like, going out shooting with the neighbours and stuff like that and doing a bit of vomiting, like rabbits and foxes and stuff, and then, I really enjoyed that um, side of what the living out there, but basically, I just started doing it myself, like taking a twenty-two and walking the roads and shooting a few rabbits and going out the paddocks and stuff like that, and then yeah, eventuated um, into deer. So yeah, I've always had it from a young age. What about and you said? What about your family? Were they sort of into it, or were they not into it? Brothers? You got any brothers, or was dad, or anything um, like that? I've got two brothers and a sister. And um, my old man took us out from young kids and stuff and taught us how to do all that properly and correctly, um, like how to handle firearms and stuff from a young age. But mm. basically, out of I guess out of all my family, I'm the I'm the only one who's really adapted um, the stalking and the and the game hunting and and you know utilising the meat from the animals. But um, my brothers they they manage property, so that's a good way to get onto properties as well. Having brothers that work the land. Um, but yeah, they, they do do shooting and stuff like that, mate, but not at my level. Yeah, right. And I was going to say, by the photos, mate, it'd be t- tough to uh, compete with what you're doing there. Mate, I'd, 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 I'd kill to be your brother that I'd be saying, man, listen, get me out on these properties with these deer. <laughs> <laughs> mate, my brothers, they actually encourage me a fair bit with what I do in the way of hunting and, and stuff like that and getting my content and photos and stuff and my social media and stuff, but. Yeah, they're, they're a big support that I've got behind me as well to get it done along alongside with my family. But, yeah, no, they, where I actually go and do a lot of my hunting, one of my brothers manages the property. So it's a really good um, avenue to have. Yeah, right. Well, you're hunting, you're hunting in different areas, got access to, I mean, yeah, one property, multiple properties, because multiple, it looks like you've got multiple different areas. And you, we were talking before on the show, you said, yeah, properties with sort of different sort of terrain eh, in, in, on those farms, you know, from, you know, sort of thick stuff to sandy, sort of what seems to be coastal type of, type of hunting. Yeah, mate. Um, I hunt a few properties and that, and each, each and every one of them got their own unique little um, patches of like little habitats and stuff on the properties. Um, in like winter and that and like June, July and stuff like that, we get a fair bit of rain on some of the areas and that becomes quite swampy. It looks like little lakes. It's beautiful, man. The bird life that come there is amazing. Mm. Um, the deer, like rooster species come through. There is a few samba that aren't that come through. They're not like the Victorian high country samba, but they, there is samba through there. They've got a bit of rooster in them. Um, and then, yeah, we've got the fallow and the, and the reds and that, that chase the loose and stuff on the flats. And then you've got the sandy country as well. Like, 
Um, yeah, she's just it's, it's beautiful, man. Like I can I can go from mud to water to sand, and then looks like desert in some comments I get on my um, Instagram. So yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, no, it does. I look at it and I think, man, mate, this looks like bloody the beach. You know, these deer could go bloody surfing or something. You know, what I mean, like I've never seen sort of terrain like it. Yeah, like you know, swampy sort of marsh habitats to. Um, yeah, to sandy, to, to thick sort of normal, you know, rocky terrain or, you know, hilly terrain and then everything in between. Yeah, no, it definitely does, mate. Our, our summer over here is quite harsh on our, um, on our feed and in the paddocks um, where, where I hunt. But also, too, like, if the farmer's got cattle or sheep, the, the sheep do a lot more damage to the, the feed that's in the paddock. So, therefore, it goes because they chew it a lot shorter. So it dries up really fast and can, can become quite sandy on hilltops and in certain parts of the property um, and other places there where the tea trees and that which holds that bit of moisture and it's a bit, bit cooler and more shade and that, that there stays like little swampy flats as well like for a certain time. But all, all of it dries up. But, yeah, when she rains again and they pop back up, they look awesome. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you like the bit of the, we'll go on to the bit of the deer stuff and all that a little bit later, but you also like, um, you know, fishing as well. I've seen you, you know, smashing out the carp. I think it's, from what I understand, it's again legal to do the bow fishing in South Australia, if I'm correct. And you get onto the carp and smash them a bit too. So what do you like about yeah, the fishing? Mate. You know, estuary, beach, deep sea, all of the above. What do you like? Mate, I love it all. Like just being outdoors and, you know, taking a rod or a bow or, um, you know, even I've got a little tinny here, four metre tinny, which I take out with the, with the wife and kids. Um, that's great fun as well, you know, get your table fish and stuff. But as long as I'm outside doing something, mate, whether I'm catching mulloway sharks or salmon off the beach, I'm in a river catching carp or, um, you know, your, your callop or whatever, um, well, which you, like, I think you guys in New South Wales and Victoria call yellow belly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love it all, mate. It's all it's all fun just being out there in amongst it. Well, like when, when you go fishing, like how far away? Like I guess from your house, are you are you sort of your fishing opportunities close by, or you got to travel a fair distance? Or mate, a lot of, a lot of my um, lo- lo- local from my house is about twenty minutes to the boat ramp, and then just cruise out the front here of um, Adelaide. But when I'm doing my boat fishing, that that was about an hour's drive out to. Lake Alexandra there and um, just in private property in the backwaters and there was millions, like so many carp, I couldn't believe it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we've got local rivers here for the torrents and stuff like that where you can go and chuck a rod out and um, catch carp and stuff like that as well. And all, all the little lakes around here pretty much have got them, so you're not too far to go for that stuff. But we haven't really got, you know, your rainbow trout and um, I think they're, I'm not sure what the others, brown trout and stuff like that. We haven't really got many of them here. They are a few in the hills, but you got to go hunting for them. Yeah. I've never been to South Australia. I mean, what's the, you were talking about the temperament climate. What's it like in summer or winter? What, cold and hot? What's the What's the sort of temperament down there in um, South Australia? Mate, the, in winter here, it's quite cold. Like, you get the minuses and stuff like that. It wouldn't be anything like Vic where it snows and that. We do get snows in the hills. But yeah, she's um, just cold, cold, foggy mornings. You might get a bit of rain um, throughout winter and that. But this time of the year, mate, you get your cracker mornings and your beautiful afternoons where it cools off. But she's hot during the day. Um, I think we've got 30-something here today and 38 tomorrow, yeah. um, which is quite warm. But um, yeah, she's just up and down. But um, we're pretty lucky over here like um, that we don't get snowed out and you know too cold. We can still get out and about and do our stuff during the day. Um, but yeah, springtime over here is probably the best, I reckon. 
Yeah, imagine the summer. I know it gets a bit even here in New South Wales, especially when you go out west. It gets pretty darn hot, man. You know, even when you're sort of out in winter and you're lugging all that gear around, and you know you got your jumper on and all these sort of things. And even winter, you can you know hit a few hills and you know work up a bit of a sweat. So summertime, I just the middle of summer, I just can't imagine it. I can't imagine it. Oh, mate, hunt, hunting over here for a meat animal in summer is is brutal, actually. Like. You go out, you got, I've got my camera, my binos, my backpack, my gun. You know, you're on foot, you're trying to camo up every party so you're covered sneaking in and stuff like that. So, you know, you start off the morning, you're wearing a jumper maybe with a long sleeve shirt and your pants and that. And by the, by the time you get back to the car, you're like, you've ripped everything off. Everything's just flaming in the backpack and you, <laughs> you, yeah, you're pretty yeah. much flaming in your jocks, but you're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What you said, you've got some kids. If I'm aware, I'm, correct me if I'm wrong. I know you've got a, is it what, two daughters, three daughters? You, is, that, is that correct? Yeah, I've got three daughters, yep. Yeah, right. What, what's that like? I get, and we'll ask you another question in a minute, but what's it like, man, you know, with um, you know, what, your three daughters, a wife, what, you're the only, no boys? Nah, no boys um, in my, immediate, like in, in my family, but um, my younger brother's got a, a little son, and um, my older brother's got two daughters, and my um, older sister, who's the oldest out of us four, she's also got a um, son as well. So, and she's got two daughters as well. Yeah, and I was going to yeah, say, so how's that going to like? Uh, you know, again, you obviously already have. I've seen a few of the photos as well, but obviously not. You know, too young to do the sort of hunting stuff now. Obviously, legally wise, but you plan on getting him into that. At least to get him to try and you know see what's out there. Get him into the you know the I say lifestyle, but at least get him somewhat accustomed to, you know, living off the land and that sort of thing. Oh, definitely, mate. My uh, my brothers' boys and that, and my sisters' boys, like they've been out hunting a couple of times with us and just showing them what's it about. My my younger brother, Matthew's boy, Blakey, he actually loves the bow. He like, loves going out with the bow. Um, and my daughters, man, I, I take them out hunting a fair bit as well. Like They, they get around it and really enjoy it. And, you know, set up camp and we have fun out in the paddock. And, yeah, they, they, they've seen me from looking at deer, taking photos to full-on butchering it and making homemade small goods in the shed and just putting it on their plate. So they, yeah. they're fully around it. They love it. Yeah. All right, bit of a curveball. It's always difficult when, especially for people always laugh at this question, but it's always an interesting one. You know, so when you first met your, your, your wife, you said, oh, listen, I go, you know, do a bit of hunting. I mean, what what was her first impressions? You know, Sydney, it can be a bit hard, especially when you're telling, you know, women, you know, you like to go hunting. They're like, oh, you don't shoot the deer, do you? You know, whatever it may be. What was her first experience or like, what did she say when you first went on a date? I'm sure I'm not sure you told her first off, but maybe second, third, fourth date. Hey, listen, I like to go hunting and make small goods out of animals what was their reaction sort of thing oh mate back back this is years ago like we started dating back when i was 18 19 and um i took her out down the farm because obviously growing up down there had had access down there so i took her out to a mate's farm there where there was a few deer and we went out spotlighting one night and i shot this red spiker and she's a city chick so she's grew up in the in adelaide here yeah. And um, that was like her first experience of going out and really doing something like that, and and you know it's a bit overwhelming at first, but because of, because I do it so much now, so it's kind of like she's she, she's just a part of what I'm doing. But back then, mate, she was definitely an eye opener. I don't know how she <laughs> felt honestly, but she probably thought. Who's this flaming Rambo fella that I'm dating? What the heck? Yeah. What, what's going oh, on? Oh shit! I'm gonna head <laughs> head back to the city and never look back again. What's going on here? You know. Yeah, well, that's it. It didn't um, didn't get rid of her, so she's um, stuck around and supports me with what I'm doing. So I must have um, 
you know, impressed there. <laughs> Absolutely. Guys, we're going to go to a quick break and we'll be right back. Camo Warehouse is Australia's leading supplier of quality hunting clothing and accessories. We stock leading outdoor clothing brands such as Rocky Boots, Georgia Boots, Hunter's Element, Ridgeline, Spiker, 511, Stony Creek and many more. Camo Warehouse is the leading supplier of optics and shooting accessories including Leopold, Bushnell, Zerotech, Lyman, Powerbeam and Lightforce. We can also order in custom Boyd stocks from the US to your specific requirements. Camo Warehouse offers flexible, zero-interest payment options including Afterpay and ZipPay. Order via our website at camowarehouse.com.au or give us a call on 02 6771 2836. All right, Josh, what about, um, you know, I mean, I know you, I've, I've seen you do a bit of clay targets here as well. So what about other than, you know, just hunting, you know, targets, clays, if you got into pistols, you know, rifles, you know, this long range shooting. I think I saw a couple of your photos like to smash a few gongs out there when you get the opportunity. So what about those types of things? Yeah, mate. No, I'm doing, I, lo- I don't mind, you know, sighting a rifle and stuff like that for my hunting gig and stuff like that. But a couple of me mates have got the um, long range cannon um, guns, which is, that's like doing that, mate, with having like a full setup that's capable of shooting a mile and then you, you get behind it and you sit down, you dial in, you do all that and then you pull the trigger and you hit the gong. That's awesome, man. Like that, that's, you know, if you haven't experienced it, that's something worth doing, especially shooting a quality rifle that you've, like you've, you've spent hours reloading for that gun to get that accuracy. That's just, yeah, it's it gets your drilling going. I'm getting excited now, but... Um, I also do. <laughs> I also do heaps of um, skeet and um, clay target shooting and field and game. So that's um, something that I've just taken on board in the last six months. Which is you know just getting out with your mates. We have a barbecue at most most um, catch ups and occasions, and it's just awesome. Like that's that's you know that's another whole area again away from my hunting, but it mixes it up as well. I mean, I totally agree. Yeah, I mean, you know, when I started getting into some long-range shooting stuff, I was like, oh, I didn't think I'd be really interested in it. But as you said, once you get into it and you you know sort of the mathematics in it, I mean, I don't know the, you know, the mathematics per se, but, you know, something tells me, okay, this, it should be doing this, validation. You know, I do the work. I do the work on the reloads. And then, hey, you know, the mathematics is correct, eh, on trajectory, you know, validation. And, well, six clicks up, that's good for this distance at 456, you know, whatever metres, five hundred meters and then bang it's sort of amazing type stuff really isn't it oh it is mate when you hear that gong go bang and that and you, you spend hours in the shed reloading you know testing projectiles powders primers you know even even brass like some of my mates are they're right into that shooting and they go right down to the brass like that that full on into it and stuff like that but yeah i I, do, I reload my hunting rifles, like my 3006, and I'm, I'm eventually going to do my, my new 300 wind bag that I've got, um, and that for my accuracy with, with what I'm doing. But these guys are just next level with the with long range shooting stuff like that. But yeah, if you, if you can get something right and it works every time, which these guys are doing, it's flame. It, it it's unbelievable, man. Like yeah, it is. <laughs> you, you you range it, nothing safe. <laughs> that's right yeah exactly <laughs> the only thing that sucks is when it's a bit flat sometimes and you know even if you get a good 
um, oh, I've gone blank. What do they call them again? Uh, range, uh, your range finder, you know. And if it's yeah, too flat, finder, sometimes yep. you can pick up a little bit, you know, something a little bit of a tuft of grass or something or a couple of meters in front. Like I like shooting from hills. That way, you know, it's at least yeah. giving me yep. a, a pretty good number. If I do it a couple of times, I got like a Leica one. I think I've got, but you know, you just oh, yeah. you just run yep. it off a, straight across on a valley or something, or at least some, some sort of hill. At least so you got some backdrop to, and then you know, you give a chance because sometimes I've shot clays, you know, not clays. Sorry, I should say gongs, and you know, I've yeah, it's a bit flat, and I've gone, oh, I'm, I'm pulling up short, like in the same spot, short. What's going on here? Yep. But then again, realize again once you, you know, if I put it on a tripod at distance, if I can get my range finder on a tripod, then I go, oh, geez, I wasn't, you know, totally like 20, 30 meters difference, you know, or twenty meters difference. Yeah, That's what's definitely. going on here, yeah, you, you know. Yeah, you're not quite holding it right when you're pushing the button or something. Mm, or, you know, yeah, it's just, yeah. and I'm thinking, oh, it's hitting in the same spot. Did I not do? I've done my validation. It should be good for that. Is it the weather? Is it yeah? It's too sticky and humid, <laughs> or and then I when I put on a tripod or something, and then I get it right. I'm like right on the gong. I go, oh, okay, that's why because I'm not, you know, too too, yep. too busy moving my arms, or you know, I'm not steady enough or whatever. But what about yeah, game exactly. man? What about um, you know, favorite game to hunt? If you had to pick number one, what would it be? Number one game to hunt, mate, for me, I reckon, got asked this a few times before, but it's a tricky one because cause they're all so much fun and unique in their own way, I'd have to say Chittle, bro. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Out yeah. of all of them, I reckon Chittle. They're just such a beautiful deer, but they're so alert and they're just, they're a powerful, powerful deer as well, but they they look they look awesome. Um, there's not many of them in my area where I hunt. Um, in South Australia, here, but when you do see them, and that it's just like like far, you get taken back a little bit. To be honest, um, I got some beautiful photos a few months ago of a handful of chill at my brother's place there, and yeah, they're just they're just awesome deer, man. They've got beautiful skins on them, um, mm. and they're just solid as. So yeah, that, that that'll be my, one of my favourites, I reckon. Yeah, I've seen them before. They're definitely. Definitely a beautiful animal, eh? Compared to a lot of the deer species. I mean, I always say to my mates every time I see Sam, I go, geez, they're big, but God damn, they're an ugly bloody deer, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're not bad to look at, you know, the big, big fluff under the neck and, you know, big ears on them. And I thought, bloody yeah. hell, you know, it's just probably yeah, not I've, my favourite, you know? Few, yeah, I've had a few Samba trips and that, and I've seen plenty of Samba, and they are, they are a funny looking deer. They've got kind of like a longer neck, bit of a mane. Um, you know, and the <laughs> yeah. hinds and that big ears, they look at you, but that, that, that majestic as well, man. Like, yeah. all deer have that, have that little thing about them. And when you can see an animal or even any, any deer of any species in that, in that element, just cruising through, unaware that you're there and you're watching them, mate, that, that's when you really see the true beauty of that animal. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I guess what they make up with, um, you know, in, in the way they look, they make up in definitely make up in their size, that's for sure. And, you know, a lot well, of people do. have taken some really good, really good ones. And, yeah, I mean, yeah. Victoria's definitely got, and other parts of Australia as well. I mean, they're even, they're even moving up towards, um, you know, up to where I live in Sydney. I mean, my mate's got a property on the outskirts of Sydney, quite a large property. Um, and yeah, he's he's taken Sambra on his property, and they're just that's just on the outskirts oh, yeah. of Sydney. So they're definitely starting to move up if they haven't already. And you know, I was yeah, surprised. Pressure, you know? pressure does that, mate. Pressure pushes them around. That's like over here in the southeast with that culling and stuff like that. They're just pushing them out wider. Like, yeah. do you travel ten, twenty k's overnight? No dramas. You've had to. 
Yeah, yeah. I always say I'd love if I had, like, no one would probably give me access to that, but I'd, I just want to see, like, even if people do, like, testing, I don't know if it's out there, just to, you know, if they put, like, a GPS on a deer, I just love, I'd love to see that data just over, say, a six-month period about, you know, how far will they travel, you know, what distances oh, per definitely. day will they travel, do they come back to the same spots, would the, what would yep. the GPS tracking look like, would it be, like, just a scribbly thing, would it be, you know, specific routes we can make out, just, just to see, you know, like, just to see exactly yeah, what yeah. They yeah, do like how they do it when they do it what how far they'll move in a day you know I just love that I'd love to see if if someone hasn't done it already or if there's any public information yeah. out there doing that that's right and you'd be able to track like you'd be able to find watering points and scrubs that you probably never even were there might even be a natural little welt there or something where they feed like go and get water um, mm-hmm. and whether they go back to the same spot at like every night for food like and then what exactly. time mm-hmm. you know like if you had time. The travel and everything, mate, it would take the guessing out of all of it, wouldn't it? But yeah, um, exactly. they do they do tracking collars and stuff like that on goats. I don't see why we can't do it on feral deer. Yeah, I just 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 to see, you know, exactly what they do, how they do it. Do they, you know, do they move to different areas? Do they come back eventually? Do they not come back? How, as you said, how far do they travel in a day? Uh, you know, do they go yeah. to those same spots every single day at a certain time? I mean, obviously, we can pattern them a little bit, I guess, with game cameras and things like that. But you know, an actual movement, you need you need a tracker on the little buggers, you know, to see what they're doing. Yeah, the only, the only thing a tracker would do, like you know, you got your game trail, like your trail camera on a on a like in a, on a tree in yeah. one spot, you know, that deer has to miss it. Like I can only miss that by 60 meters, but it could have went past that camera two days and then bang, you've got him on day four going past that same trail. He might have a few little avenues passed around that camera that he hasn't gone past in a couple of days. It doesn't mean he hasn't gone past it. Yeah, true. Yeah, exactly. The tracker would um, show his lines and where he's been. That'd be cool down here because like down, down where I hunt now, you know, you've got your looting and stuff like that still poking its head up for good pick for the animals um, and everything else is drying off and losing all its value. But, um, you know, it'd be good to see what deer are coming out and when what times are actually coming out to feed like after a hot day and um, and whether they're going to a sheep trough or finding a dam or something to get water and how far apart they are. Exactly, you know, summer versus winter, they moving throughout yep. the night, you know, they're moving throughout the day, they're bedding up throughout the day. You know, also another good one would be probably too, is, is there a difference between, as I said, if you've got a specific area, uh, let's say you've got a multitude of uh, deer like you said, you know, Cheetor or, or Sambar yep. or Fallow or Reds or Rusa, you know, what are they doing? Are they are they similar? If, if they're in one area, are they are the deer species doing similar things, you know? Do they have that? Because, you know, again, yeah. they've got to eat, they've got to get water. If it's, you know, if it's starting to warm, up they've got to get water uh you know what are they doing is there any differences between the between the different types of deer I mean, i'd love to see that sort of done if it hasn't been done already not that i've ever seen but i reckon it'd be fantastic yeah i've never seen it mate plenty of people talk about it and try and predict and guess um deer movement and, and activity but we've never really nailed it but if we've got the technology to do it now that's something they should be doing especially in the parks and that to try and track these deer down and work out how many we've got yeah, exactly. And, yeah, it would also be good, too, like, to do private versus, say, public land. I mean, you've only got to, I guess, you know, try and either catch them or, you know, dart them or something to put them down for a little bit, put a track on them. You know, I mean, I wouldn't say you need a, a lot of them done, maybe a couple from each species, at least just to see what they do. How does it differ, differ between, say, public land versus versus a private block, you know? Uh, is there much yeah, more pressure definitely. on them to yeah. move, you know, during on a public uh, block that you can hunt on, you know, compared to, say, a private? But anyway... I guess we can hope, yeah. we can wish, man, we can wish. 
Yeah, we can wish, mate. But <laughs> you'd have to go out at night and dart them as well, probably when they're least um, least like flighty. Exactly. What about um? Yeah, I guess we'll talk about. Uh, this probably goes into both questions, really. But uh, favorite guns you own, man? What do you own? What do you love? I mean, are you, does your missus want to kill you because you keep want to buy gear or what? <laughs> mate, I'm. I'm, I'm, I do love my guns, but I'm not a, I'm not a crazy person who's got 40 guns in the gun safe. Um, I, I've been hunting for since 2013 with my 3006. Um, I won a 300 wind mag in a raffle a um, couple of years ago, and I picked it up and got it all and that. And I'm like, man, how do, how how am I going to take this gun out and shoot it and and not have to not not have to use my 3006. So you, I, I love that gun, man. It's a pretty awesome gun. It's just a ticker, but it shoots really well. And then um, before the season started um, this year, I got the 300 wind mag out and I went down the range and I went, oh, yeah, I'll sight it in, give it a shot. So I sighted it in, mate, with factory ammo. She's put a, um, a thumb hole print through the barrel. I'm like, far out, that shoots really good. So, <laughs> yeah, And then yeah. I've, been, I've been using that all year. I haven't shot the 3006 this year. Wow, the poor old thirty oh six has taken a taken a back seat. Yeah, it's taken a back seat, the poor thing. But I've carried it um, on three trips, but I just haven't taken it anything because, like last weekend, I seen just velvet bucks and does, and I didn't really want to shoot um, any does because I got um, young fawns inside them or on the ground. Yeah, and the velvet bucks, mate, I want to give them a chance to grow out and see what the headgear looks like. So. Didn't see any spikers, mate. So the old O six didn't get a um, bang out of it. But um, yeah, she she just sits there now. <laughs> what what sorry, I'm not sure if you said what was the um what uh, the three hundred? What did you win? What was it? What sort of gun was it? Sorry? Uh, the the, the three hundred win match was yeah. sour one one uh, one hundred timber classic. Oh, yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, that's beautiful. Holds five bullets, um, five rounds, and yeah, she just cycles nice. It's been a pretty good gun actually, but the accuracy out of it's phenomenal. So, mm. yeah. What about any uh, purchases coming up? Anything you got? Any? It doesn't have to be, I guess, you know, firearm related or hunting related. Anything you want to buy or anything you've got your eye on? Guns, gear, equipment, binos, well, scopes, anything on your mind? Uh, one thing that I wouldn't mind is some range finding binoculars. Um, that's something that I've been, you know, hoping to get um, just to make it easier so you're not shuffling between um, two, two, two items. So that's something that's definitely on the cards, but I wouldn't mind doing a 2D3 build. Yeah. because yeah, I've got a ticker 2D3 here, which I do a lot of my vomiting and culling and stuff like that with. I shoot a few, um, like I've got a few roo permits and stuff like that where I go out culling kangaroos. And, um, yeah, you've got to have all the correct permits and paperwork done for that, which is pretty big here. Um, but, yeah, she's shot a fair few rounds now. I wouldn't mind, um, you know, rebarreling it and putting it into a new action or something like that and get it all... Get a custom built one, mate. I used to have a two two three. I think I I sold it many years ago. I regret selling that gun. I really do. Eh? it was just man. I, I I went a bit crazy, and I it was one of my dedicated Fox rifles. It was a Tiger as well. I I cut it down. Yeah, I think to just yeah. above just above the the legal. I think it was sixteen, and I think it was sixteen inches. Then I put a people get laugh, always laugh about when I did this, but I put a muzzle brake on. People go two two three, and I say yeah, but when you you got to understand when you cut it down, yeah. Right, it, a lot of the it barks, man. You know what I mean? Like it, oh, it, yeah. it wants to yeah. move. So I said, you know, but man, now we used to go hunt foxes, man. We used to put out a couple of 
uh, you know, le- electronic game calls and the foxes, mate. I tell you what, I used to have, I have it on a set of sticks, mate. When I pulled that trigger, I think it was either 50 or 55 VMAX or one of those, man. The thing just yep. d- didn't even move, mate. It just, it just, mate, bang down. Yeah, you can spot beautiful. your shots, mate. Yep. Only annoying part, probably muzzle break, bit loud, but man, geez, yeah, it was a wonderful that, gun, that, eh? Exactly. That's just like all my guns that I, sh- I hunt and um, do my barn with and whatnot. I've got no muzzle brakes on them, right? Um, I'm not against them. I, I personally, for myself, I wouldn't have one. Um, but when you're out and you, and you are doing like what you were saying, mate, like you, you pull the trigger with a muzzle brake, your gun doesn't move. You can still see what you're shooting at. It's freaking awesome. It's like shooting targets the other day with your mates and that. Like you pull the trigger, you're watching the projectile hit the gong. Yeah, with exactly. my with my rifles, you pull the trigger, mate. It just pops you up off the target a little bit, so then you get a re re um, align it to see it. But yeah, she's she's just smooth as and and not knocking the crap out of you. I know. I'd rather like New Zealand. I'd rather a suppressor. Eh? So much better. At least you get the you know the recoil benefits and some sound benefits too. So best of both worlds. But, oh you know, yeah, we can't have those yeah, bastards. If we, get, if, we could, if we could get them here, mate, that'd be unreal. Like because. I do a lot of stuff that's not far out of um, a few little towns, like a few little areas here that hug the town for culling kangaroos, mate. That'd be just perfect for that. Yeah, I mean, especially like two to three, mate. You get a probably yep. not as good a recoil, you know, benefit as say muzzle brake, but be pretty, pretty, still awesome, you know, and a lot and a lot quieter as well to make, you know, so you're not disturbing farmers or people in local towns or the local area. You know, nothing Definitely. worse, I guess. You at night, you know, you're popping them off and you got a brake on. It's like t- twice as loud as, you know, an unbraked rifle. So. But anyway, yeah, definitely. Anyway. Got some got some more good questions. We're going to go a quick break, guys, again, and we'll be right back. Do you need genuine reason? The National Shooting Council is the only true national political voice for shooters, and we offer genuine reason for hunting licenses in Victoria, New South Wales, the ACT, and Queensland. And we are working on expanding genuine reason to other states over the next couple of years. Don't just join an organization to go shooting. Make your membership count. Get your genuine reason at nationalshooting.org.au. I want to talk about too, man. This is a very good question. We touched on it a bit earlier, Josh, about, mate, how do you spend, I mean, people often ask me this question, you know, how do I you know, balance life, you know, personal life with, with hunting life and, you know, especially around kids, wives, family, you know, not spending too much time away but trying to include them. How do you balance those two particular issues? Mate, it's a tricky one sometimes um, just with life in general, but, um, going down to the farm and that and helping out down there with my brother and stuff. I take my kids and, and like my wife does come as well, but she um, works most weekends, like on a Sunday or something like that. So we'll just go down and come back before her shift. But, um, yeah, they just jump on board, mate. Um, and then, yeah, I take them away. But my um, wife, she loves being at home as well and sorting out stuff with the girls. They like that netball and stuff like that as well. But I just duck out locally here or... Um, yeah, head down for a few for a couple of nights, and then just come back on the Sunday. And then I have the girls before um, Sunday night, and then I and then yeah, go back into the week and spend the week with them, and then head back head back out again. So we got a pretty good pretty good program set up um, on how we balance that. But yeah, she she can be tricky. 
<laughs> I was going to have a joke there, but I was, I won't, I won't, I won't. I was, it was going to be a good one, but I thought I'll leave it, I won't, just in case, you know. Um, you know, what about, you were talking about, and a lot of that's good stuff too, which I enjoy too. I, I've got this bloody awesome, um, uh, what would you call it, um, uh, Minsa, and I, I haven't even, I've had it bloody six months, and I haven't even got to use the bastard yet. So you like dabbling in the, you see, yeah, small, you know, small uh, foods and, you know, uh, what was it, like sausages and all that sort of stuff. Like what, what, what do you generally make and what do you utilise your game meat into, you know, throughout the season or throughout the year? Oh, mate, yeah, game meat with some, for us, like, as a family, man, that's that's a that's a major, um, you know, part of why I hunt is making sausages and, and patties and schnitzels and I make my own jerky. I make met, I've been doing heaps of metworths lately, which has been pretty cool. Mates love that and get around that. Makes good gifts for friends and family. So, and even for property, like property owners that I hunt on as well, mate. Like I, I take down a big batch of um, small goods and stuff like that for them and sausages and and pass it on to them and they just they love it, man. So that helps them out as well. But if you if you if you're out, if you're going to be a hunter, man, and, and whatnot, you gotta you gotta you know take the meat. Utilize it and just make stuff because it's it's definitely a good um a good bargaining or or you know gift gifts to give to people so that's what I, that's what I do with it, mate. What's some of that gear like? If you said to someone goes, I want to utilize game. What's like a couple of bit of utensils? You know, it could be minces, whatever you want. You know, what's like something you've found that you thought, man, I've got to have this. Like this is this is this is something that any hunter that prepares their own meat needs. Could be knives, anything. What, what like something that you, you you sit there at home and you go, man, this thing's awesome for like preparing foods, or it's just something that you you know would be great, you know. Mate, the best thing I reckon is a mincer. Like number one, like you come home, you can make mince. Then you got straight away, you got either pies, you got patties, you got stuff that's like mince is already made for sausages, um, and yeah, you can make like spaghetti bolognese and all that, but. You know, it's, it's just come home, you cut it up into small strips, straighten the mincer, and you can bag it. And then it's like real easy to use later on if you haven't got time to get to it. You can chuck it in the freezer or the fridge, however many days um, till you can get to it. But yeah, having good knives as well. But like you've got to have good sharp knives out in the field. Um, even at home, like when you're doing your butchering and stuff like that, you don't want to be pushing a knife that's blunt or even a cheap knife that um, won't hold an edge. That's that's also um, been an issue through some of the mates and their equipment, but yeah, um, dehydrator for making jerky. That's ideal. But I've just recently got myself a um, a Pit Boss Series Three smoker. Oh, that's nice! Man. Yeah, yeah. Brown, the Brown Fox actually put me onto that. Um, he's been helping me out a fair bit um, with a heap of advice. I really appreciate that from him. He's a good dude, and um, yeah, I've been make, I've been smoking Metworth in there, um, jerky. Um, in it and yeah brisket chicken pieces mate that that's awesome like it's like a little yeah. oven but just adds all the smoke for it is that, is that uh, is a, sorry is that a wood one or electric which one's that one let me have a look uh, at sorry, it sorry mate it's a it's an electric pellet smoker ah yeah so that's what i like i don't mind those ones i mean they're pretty people are like you know frown oh you know it's not natural and you know it's not the real yeah. way to smoke i'm like dude if it comes out and tastes good and it's easy set and forget <laughs> at a specific temperature but yep. it's awesome. What's what's not to like here? What's not to like? Okay, we might not oh, be exactly. you know traditional, but hey, mate, you know set yep. temperature, set smoke. Bob's your uncle. Get the small goods into you. That simple. Exactly, mate. I've got a um, heart gas smoker here as well, and you know you, you obviously get about an hour, hour and a half max out of your out of your wood chips in that. So then you got to pull that out, fill it up again, and then. Um, 
excuse me, get it going. And it's like, you know, that takes time, takes heat out your box, which delays your cooking time. So when I did my first few um, Metworth smokes and stuff like that, mate, you've got to control the temperature as well, which is the hardest thing. And, um, yeah, the, the pellet smoker just eliminates all that. Puts the pellets in, which gives you your smoke. You set your dial on your temperature, and you've got a probe too, which comes out the front into the Metworth sticks. So you don't have to open up the actual, um, or even, not, not only Metworth, but like your chicken piece or your brisket or whatever. And the probe, you cook, you cook to that temperature of the probe. So you can control your temperature on about five or six different temperature settings. Pretty easy, man. It's a, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah. And I used to have it. I ended up getting rid of it because I moved. I'm disappointed. Though. I think you've got one on here too, the Hark. I had the old gas burner, and they used to be good to um, you know, try and you yeah. know, gas made it a bit easier than trying to regulate wood and stuff like that. And, yeah, it was pretty good, yeah. man. It was just like I missed that thing. I just didn't have any room for it, so I had to give it to a mate. But I might get it off that bastard now that I think about it. Yeah, well, it just mix, you know? mixes up your – um. Like what you want to, what you've been eating with your meats as well. Now you can eat your lamb chops, your steaks, and all that, and whatever. You grab a steak and chuck it in the smoker and smoke cook it, man. Just different again. Yeah. You know, even your chicken. You have chicken wings in the oven or whatever, or you can smoke them and cook them in the um, smoker. It's basically cooking it in an oven, but you're adding smoke flavour to it. Yeah, and now I'm eventually going to get one. I'm going to get one of you know the those uh, for people that haven't seen this, you can check him out on his page, Hainsy H I N E S Y O three O seven. One of those um, fire. What would you call them? Should I've gone totally blank here? The fire, yeah, the barbecue that sits over the fire. Your big barbecue plate. That's what I'm thinking of. Oh, swing on, swing off, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That thing there comes everywhere. That's awesome, that man. Like you, you're sitting around camp. You bang it in, hook your bar on there, you swing it on, you put all your meat or whatever on it, and then you just swing it over the coals or the fire, whatever you want to cook on. We use a little, um, uh, like a washing machine drum with a little fire in it down at the farm at the quarters there where I camp when I go hunting down there. And then um, out in the paddock, mate, you just obviously got your fire on the ground, but they are so handy and packed flat as well. Yeah, and if anyone doesn't know what we're talking about, probably hard to explain, but, yeah, it's like a swing-over barbecue plate that goes on a pole, and, yeah, man, no, I've, I've, I'm looking at it here, bacon, yep, that's perfect. We've got some hash browns, yep, perfect. Beautiful. Nothing wrong with that. Best way yeah, to spend the best way to spend a morning or night, I reckon. See, I love that as oh, much definitely. as people, you know, like much as I love the hunting, dude, I just, I like, um, you know, I like getting out with people, man. I love that. You know, I find that equally as exciting for me. I go, if I hunt during the day, if I do get something I don't, that's fine, whatever. Come back. You know, you've got mates that will help you, you know, skin out. You know, I've got mates with varying differences of experience, some extremely experienced, some, you know, not very experienced, you know. And, you know, I'm probably in that, in, in that middle to less experience as well. I'm not out hunting and, you know, caping out animals every single week. I might do one to two a year. That's, what, that's me in my life at the moment. But... You know, I love just getting back to the fires. You got sitting around having a chat. You know, throw some sausages or steaks on and just have a chat, yep, and definitely. that's equally as good for me as as it is the hunting. You know, well, that's what it's about, mate. You know, you, you go out with a few mates, you, you catch up, you you talk about life, you you wind down from your week, and now you you wake up in the morning, you you camo up, you get your gun out, you go for a walk. You know, if you harvest a deer or not, you don't care. You head back to camp, you have a barbecue cook brekkie it's fine it's, it's just awesome man like that's that's that there for me is what i call a hunting trip if you go out and, and your mate harvests a deer and you got to cape it out and butcher it all up and everything like that and you're doing it all together 
that's how you start. That's how you start building memories, man. Exactly, hundred percent. I mean, if I, and if I tell yeah. people, listen, I've had the crappy minces and that, like the, well, I mean, the Kenwood, geez, it smashed some deer. That little bloody Kenwood from the good guys I had, <laughs> but get a good yeah. one, guys. I mean, if I had to say anything, spend the money. If you're going to be, you know, doing even a fair bit of stuff, uh, and, you, and yeah. you, you, it's a worthwhile investment, you know, buy something decent that way, something with a good size, good strong motor, you know, and you can just, you know, smash the deer. I mean, the deer don't like being put through a mincer, but you know, they're dead, so it doesn't matter. You know, it's good for us, but. Definitely. You know, that's um, right. Yeah, that's right. What also before we get on the next question? Yeah, that's another good thing too. Like a fridge isn't that? You've got like a big fridge there. Like, how did you source the fridge? A lot of people email me normally or just talk to me and say, "Oh, I need a fridge. What's the best thing? Do I do I get a normal mate, fridge and just take the shelves out of it? What do I do?" Mate, you, what, what I started off with was just like a it was a two hundred and fifty liter house fridge, but it was one big door, and I drilled um, holes through the sides of it. Like measured them down, marked it centre, and drilled holes through it. And then I poked rod, like Rio rod, through there and just siliconed it up. And I used to just hang hooks on that, and that was fine. But you need air circulation in there so your meat doesn't go. Um, I guess you got to dry it out a little bit. So you want to just. I bought a twelve volt fan off of um, eBay that took batteries and sat that in there while I had the meat in there just to circulate the air. Um, yeah. But yeah. then I got rid of that and upgraded to a um, single door drink fridge with a fan up the top. And that thing was awesome, mate. That was really, really good for um, hanging meat. You know, hanging meat in there for two weeks, no dramas. It's right. It goes down to zero degrees. You like the the cooler, the cooler the fridge, the better. But I reckon it's just the circulation of air and not opening the door when it's in there over a period. But now I've got a two door drink fridge which has two fans at the top, drops down to minus one, and the things the things awesome, mate. Absolutely love it. And I purchased that off of um, Graves Online, which is like an online auction place. Yeah, but yeah. you know your Facebook Marketplace, um, Gumtree, any of your local like um, secondhand electronic places, or even new if you want to go new. Mine was pretty much new. Um, I got a really good deal on it. Um, it was like a closing down warehouse, and this was in there. My mate mate actually got onto it and said, "Look, you want to get this? This is brilliant." So yeah, got that. Heat's bigger, mate. I'm hanging about four animals in it. But yeah, that's that's where you want to try and kind of aim at if you can afford it. Is getting a drink, an old drinks fridge, or even a yeah, pretty decent drinks fridge, and then just yeah, put it in your shed and have good ventilation, and and you'll be fine. Yeah, and I also never even saw. They never thought of this before, too. A bloody taping machine for your uh, for your freezer bags. Wouldn't have even thought of that, eh? The old um, tape machine. Yeah, that that um, tape machine. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm, I'm 40 and I'm getting excited over a tape machine. I mean, this is where my life's at right now, eh? I mean, seriously, you know. Yeah, if my mate listens to this, he's he's gonna um, he's gonna laugh because we were in the shed, mate. We were tying these bags of. I made I think it was about 190 bags of sausages of six six sausages, and we're tying them off like all night, like just felt forever. And anyway, got got it done and whatnot. And then it was a few weeks later. I went down to over um, near uh, Western Flat, helping this farmer um, cut up some cows and that, um, like into all the cuts and then bagging them out. And he's got this taping machine on the wall. And I saw that, mate. And I was like a little kid in a lolly shop. I am like, where did you get that? How much was it? What do I have to do to get one? Anyway, <laughs> I got back to Adelaide and um, MBL, which is Master Butchers League which is out on out near Hanson Road here in Adelaide, um, sells heaps of butchering stuff. Like, best shop going, mate. You walk in there, it's like heaven for butchery. But yeah. anyway, got this tape machine. It's only 30 bucks. 
and then you can buy the tape rolls that um, refill. So I bought a whole heap of them. I haven't even gone through the first roll yet, mate. She's done hundreds of hundreds of bags, mm. and um, yeah, she just saves hours of tying bags. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I go full tight ass mode, and not really tight ass because probably cost me more in the long run. You know, I'd get like just Ziploc bags, and I try and get the air out of them. And but imagine that you just get a yep. few, get the freezer bags, chuck in what you need, you know, spin them up, spin them up, get as much yep. air out as you can, and then bang in the tape yep. machine. Guys, yep, get bang, on the tape machines. Done. Bloody hell, where, <laughs> where have we been all our lives? Guys, get on them. That's it. Tell your missus how good it is. Show her what it does, and then she'll probably want one as well in the kitchen. Exactly. Hey, the best thing you can do, I always tell people, is you got the missus. If you make them think it's their idea, you're onto a winner. That's what I reckon. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. Make them feel involved, and they'll um, they'll buy anything. Josh, what do you reckon? Anything else, man? To, to, I guess to finish off that question, you know, like any any other tools, equipment you reckon people could use? Mate, I reckon um, if you if you're gonna give it a crack at making sausages, and that it's pretty simple to do. Them got to have a good um, sausage stuffer. You can pick pick up that like sausage stuffers and stuff that off eBay, and that's all mine is, and they're fine. They're awesome. They work really well. Um, I'd recommend not getting a small one, but get a bigger one, like a five five liter or three, three liter and above if you can. Um, and yeah, you can't fail with just having a good mincer, good fridge, um, a sausage um, maker, and then also a dehydrator as well if you don't have a smoker. Yeah, I know. I've got to get one of those smokers, man. I just, my mate had them before and he had some beautiful sausages, you know, deer sausages, and then he smoked them as well. Oh, I reckon there's nothing better. Hey, what do your family think of it too? Do, they, do the kids eat them? Does the wife eat them? What do they think? Yeah, mate. No, we all, we all eat them um, and quite enjoy um, the stuff that we make. Like a lot of the, like all the ingredients that I'm using is organic, natural. Um, the the flavours and additives that I'm adding are all organic and gluten free. So, yeah, I use um, sachets from MBL um, as well, which has like your pre-mix um, sausage flavours and stuff already in there, like your country style, your Texan chilli. You can get caramelised onion. You can get all sorts, man. It's, it's, it doesn't end. And you can add you can add stuff as well. Like you guys don't have to just go off the packet. You can add a bit of caprica, whatever you want in there. Um, yeah, the world's your oyster, mate. You just knock, knock yourself out when you're doing stuff like this. I know. You know what's going it. in there. I know. God normally do. What's your sausage ratio mix? Sometimes I'm 70-30, you know, 75-25, 80 is probably the lowest I tend to go. What do you normally do? I do 75-25. Yeah, so pretty close. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, a nice flavour. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you're, not, you're not, not too dry. You're not too moist. And you get that beautiful sweet flavour through it. I don't want to kill the power of the deer either in there. Um, yeah, it's yeah. That's I find that's a really good mix. You can go more if you want to. With my Metworth and that, it's like a forty sixty. Yeah, that's, I reckon that'd be bloody delicious. I normally use that. People go, oh, you know, you, you use the pre-mixes. Like, hey, mate, I ain't got time to, you know, yeah. to put it, you know, especially in, in, the, in the price of, you know, small goods these days too, like in just in general, spices, all this sort of stuff, you know. You might, guys, you might as well just go out there because you can't really beat, you know, was it you know, anywhere from 8 to, what, 15 bucks for like, you know, five kilos worth of mix to flavour your, your deer meats, you know. So why would you bother trying to do right. it yourself unless you're going after something specific? I said, just mate, yeah. Go on the websites, have a look at the pre-mixes. They've got something for everybody. Mate, those pre-mix packets, they nail the flavour. They nail the like the, the um, weight of the ingredients as well. It tells you on the front of the packet how much meat to add, how much cold water, 
and also, you know, you could just add whatever pork you want to that. Like, depends on how much moisture in there um, you want and stuff like that. But yeah, it's basically it's fault proof. Exactly, and yeah, you know, it's hard enough as it is, especially when you take an animal home. You know, you're breaking it down. I mean, I've had sometimes even just to make you know 25 kilos. I've had three blokes on the run. You know, and it takes hours, man. You know, by the time you cut it up, you get it off the bone and, you know, you put it through the mincer and then you mix it. I mean, there's three blokes, you know, four hours, four or five hours. I've only made about 25 kilos. Yeah, you know mate, I mean? she's um, paddock to plate's a fair process. That's, that's what people don't see. I, try, I could try and catch her um, on the Instagram and stuff like that in my stories and that a bit more on um, time and stuff like that, you know, from paddock to plate. But it's just, you know, that's just another thing that I do. A lot of my hunting solo as well. So, you know, to have a camera and set it up and all that all the time when you're walking big, big distances like I do, be pretty hard. But, yeah, she's definitely, you know, from zero to 20 hours, you got yourself a heap of sausages, some metwurst sticks, and some marinated steaks and some cryovax packs. It's a fair, fair effort. Exactly. I know. People don't realise that it's hard enough as it is without trying to, you know, organise yeah. flavours and spices and this and that, you know, when it's hard yeah. enough as it is. You just add it in there, as you said, add the water, you know, mix it up, and then either if you want back through the – I'm pretty pretty, pretty lazy in that respect. I normally just mince them up, the th- the, especially for sausages. I normally just do it thick cut. It was in, you know, sorry, thick um, grinding. I normally just straight away, once I've done the thick grind, I just chuck all my flavourings in. I normally mix the flavouring with the water, the you know, cold water as well to make it like a slurry sort of thing. Chuck it in, put my gloves on, or you can go by hand if you want. Just mix it all up, and then I just normally just um, stuff it from there. I know some people do put it back through, either mix, have a mixing machine, or they or they put it back through the mincer as well to do it another time a bit with a bit finer. But I don't know, man, that tastes pretty bloody good to me how I do them, so <laughs> no complaints, yeah, man. Yeah, definitely, mate. A lot, there's... With your grinding plates and that on your mints and stuff, like you can go from a coarse, like a ten mil or a five mil or a four mil or even or even finer with your mints and that. Like I found making my wet worse, fine mincing it um, and the pork fat as well, and then just adding you know your flavour and whatever, and then like just don't make it too moist when you're doing wet worse. You want to you want to pack it into the skin as tight as you can as well, and then um, just cook it low and slow. As long as you can, like the last batch of metworth I did, I smoked for 19 hours and just brought it up to that 65 degree temperature and she was perfect. She's perfect, mate. Absolutely nailed it. So um, there's a few handy handy tips there with doing it. If you guys want to, you know, have more tips or whatever, just hit me up. But yeah, always happy to give advice and, and help out new new guys giving it a crack. And one thing I, um, which is pretty cool advice as well is um, hit up your local butcher. Like hit him up for pork fat. Because I order my pork fat and all that stuff through there, and I've just built relationship over time with with these guys at Brighton City Meats, um, legend, like great people, um, and that helped me out. Do it, do whatever you know. And that they've actually said that um, if you know whatever I'm doing or whatever um, materials and products, or whatever I want to get through MBL, they'll help me out by getting it, save me driving out there, and it's more local. It's like right near me house, so just works a treat. Even better, even better. Yeah. What about the time commitment? I mean, obviously, you, you know, you've got a lot of game there, like something like a YouTube thing. Has that ever crossed your mind or, you know, too much time that will take up too much time or have you ever thought about it or? Mate, I've started a um, – I've got a pretty basic YouTube um, channel, to be honest. Like, I haven't really had done much with it. I'm not real tech savvy with computers and stuff like that um, myself. But if I had – if you know, if I got if I got a good app and edited stuff – because I've got heaps of video footage and stuff like 
mountains of it. Um, I could probably make a few good videos and stuff if someone could give me some help with it. Um, give them a heap of footage, I make up a few clips. But I've got um, Capturing the Dawn. That's my YouTube channel. But I've only got a couple of videos on there which I've made off my iPhone. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it does Have take a, a bit of work. But if anyone, <laughs> yeah, if anyone's yeah. there in South Australia, you can help Josh out. Give him, you know, I mean, one of the probably the best free apps I can recommend is DaVinci Resolve, man. If you can master DaVinci Resolve, okay. even just a basic thing, man. I mean, I've done some pretty good things with DaVinci Resolve, man. It, it's people say, oh, you know, it's it's a bit it's simplified. You can, you know, the free version, man, is way more than ninety nine point nine percent of video creators. I don't care how good they are, will ever yeah. ever use. Man, it's not people think, oh, free, it must be crap. No, man, this thing is uh, most people use DaVinci Resolve and it is freaking awesome, you know. So, if you want to check it out, yeah, and jump on YouTube, just do how to you can learn to edit some basic edits, it's pretty easy. Some, you know, I'll I'll add that on the list of things that I do during the week. (laughs) DaVinci Resolve, man, DaVinci Resolve, perfect, man. It's a yeah, it's a really good program. it would be good, man. Like if I if I could have some good videos, like those guys out there that are, you know, going hammering tongs and hunting and and spending the time with cameras and 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 making YouTube clips, love watching it. Like I take my hat off to those guys, man. That that's just epic what they do. Um, you guys know who you are. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Good work. What about some favourite type of hunting, man? You've heard the walk and stalk. Do you like the sitting and waiting, man? Do you like you know the spotlighting? I mean, all of the above. What's your what do you tend to prefer, mate? I'm a walk and stalk um, person for trophy hunting and stuff like that. Even my meat hunting, I walk and stalk them. Um, spotlighting, you know, a few mates in the car, cruising around, plucking a few um, ferals in the paddock and stuff like that. That's that's awesome as well. That's um, that's that's probably because um, I do a lot of solo stalking and hunting by myself. That's my downtime and, and my bit of time. But I love going out with a car full of mates or even just a few mates. Um, spotlighting a few foxes and um, rabbits and stuff like that. That's that's up there as well. So, but yeah, if I had a if I had a choice, someone said, "Look, rest of your life, you're going to hunt." It'll be walk and stalk, man. Daytime, like first first light and last light. What about um, you know, summer versus winter? I prefer winter. What do you prefer? Oh, mate, winter any day of the week. Yeah, walking in the heat's not much fun. You got flies when you when you harvest an animal. You got flies on them. You know what I mean? Like over here, I don't know about over there. The flies are just out of control at the moment. Yeah, I was just down on the down the Riverina, not far from Swan Hill in Victoria, and man, the flies were getting mate. So it <laughs> went up like a degree or two. I'm like, holy crap, man! This is just not good, you know. Fly. Luckily, that, luckily, hey, there's a tip for everyone. If you want a tip, here's a tip for everyone listening. Um, I think it's called. Most people don't know about it. Some people do. It's called. Um, I think the brand is Nature's Botanicals, and they, they make a rosemary and cedar cream. Right, and I tell you what, man. If I've been on some places, listen, it's not going to be the be all and end all of solving everyone's problems on flies, but I've been on properties where I'm out the back. It is hot. My mate goes, if you could see your back right now, and I go, why? What's there? And he goes, four hundred flies are on your back, dude. To the point where you had to wear a face mask to get the flies off your face. You just get a bit of this cream. It's fairly cheap, ten bucks. You can buy different sizes. Just get a bit of a dab on your fingers, cross your forehead, over your ears and neck, and on any, any exposed skin. 
mate, they rarely come near you. Eh? They, they, sometimes the one might hit you in the face. That's because it's just flying around and shit, but they rarely, if ever, land. Eh? It's just it's good stuff, man. Nature's botanical, that guys. Is, that is a great tip. Yeah, rosemary rosemary and cedarwood from Nature's Botanical is the brand. And, uh, mate, I love that stuff, dude. Like, I had one. I had to replace it this year because my mate goes, I go, this is getting a bit runny, eh? And he goes, yeah, I think it's off, man. I said, oh, it still works. And he goes, yeah, we probably should get a new one when we go to Swan Hill. And I said, yeah, let's chuck this one out. Got a bit, got a bit manky. So, but anyway, there's a tip for yep. you guys. Check it out. That works really well on the flies. Like I said, it's probably going to do 90% of what you want it to do. So, it's going to be good. Yeah. Um, what about day or night hunting, man? Any preference? Preferred day, night? What do you like? Um, I love my daytime, man, like hunting, because you can, you can catch a, um, you know, you, if you harvest an animal or whatever, and there's animals hanging around, then I can, you know, shoot them with the camera. I love doing um, wildlife photography as well. Um, in the daytime and that nighttime's good because it's cooler and and whatever else this time of the year. Um, but yeah, I love my daytime, man. You can't you can't beat it. First light, sun's coming up. It's just awesome. Yeah, absolutely, man, mate. Um, so if people want to find out, they go. All right, this I like this Josh guy. He sounds like a decent fella. Um, which I'm hoping they will, <laughs> uh, based on this podcast. I've seen you on uh, Instagram. How do they find you? Which sort of social medias are you on? Uh, where can they find you? Where can they see your stuff if they want to follow you? Or, or you know, yeah, anything? Give us the all the above, I guess. Yeah, a lot of a lot of my stuff's on my um, Instagram account, which is Hainsy03. That's H A I N E S Y O three O seven. Um, and yeah, just on my Facebook page, man, Joshua Haynes. Um. I don't really have much else in the way of um, social media, mate. I just got my Instagram. So, yeah, if you want to hit me up there and ask me some questions or whatever, more than happy to have a chat. You can even – I can give you my number and have a chat and give you some advice, whatever. Um, love having a chat with people and helping out guys, especially um, with any tips. I've had a few guys of late um, hit me up about attractants for deer and stuff like that, and that's pretty cool to – go down that avenue and get photos sent back of um, these fellas, you know, capturing deer and stuff. So, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, just um, – yeah, that, that's good. It's always good to um, help people. Just, you know, based on what the videos they're seeing, you're probably going to be unindated with a lot of people <laughs> wanting you know, information. <laughs> hey, hey, be careful what you wish for. Sometimes you don't want to be uh, – you'll be taking up so many questions, you won't know what to do after a while. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But, no, it's always good to help, man, like, especially young lads. I've helped a few young lads out and had late here. Go out and have some fun, mate, and give them some tips and just set them off. And, you know, it's a passion for life, really. Yeah, mate, I totally agree. So what we're going to do, mate, we're going to get a break in a sec, but what we're going to do, we're going to go up, just think of a story. While we go to the ad, mate, just think of a story. So one of your best hunting stories, whatever it may be. So we're going to, you know, just, just to finish off the show. So we'll go to a break and then we'll get into Josh's story. To own and use a firearm in New South Wales, you must have a genuine reason for using that firearm. The Australian Conservation Hunting Council is a genuine reason for owning a firearm and an approved hunting organisation for owning an R licence. We are fully insured for all members, ACHC. We do our best to keep our membership fees as low as possible. You can find out more at www.achc.com.au. The Australian Conservation Hunting Council. All right, mate, your story to finish off the show. Give it to us. We want to feel like I'm there, Josh, right? So time of day, just, yeah, give us – we want to feel like it's a book, man, you know, a book. We're reading a book here. (laughs) Once upon a time. No, just joking. Um, 
it was Easter, it was fast approaching and um, my uh, wife's cousin had said to me, um, well, yeah, what are you doing for Easter um, and whatever else? And I spent the, I spent Easter with um, Sharon and that and her family and then we didn't have kids at this stage and I went down um, to the southeast and caught up with Sharon's cousins and that and basically I just had just purchased my 3006. So she was fresh off the press, mate. She had the factory, um, factory of scope rings. Basic Leopold scope, um, ticker stainless steel Hunter 3006 with factory ammo, which I was using then federal 150 grain soft points, which, yeah, did not, well, they're not 100% ideal, I found, on um, shooting red deer. But drove down there, mate, it's a three-hour drive, or two-and-a-half-hour drive from my house to Keith. And then we like, look, we're going to go to the range and, and do some shooting. I said, cool, I need to sight my gun in. So we went and did that. Um, got it shooting really good um, on paper and then back to the house my ute's already packed ready to go camping like for a few nights out hunting deer um, so I'm pretty pumped I've got new camo I've got new gun this is what set me off with my stalking to be honest I really I didn't start stalking deer until 2013 um, because of this and yeah we're, we're all pumped we're at the house there got the because um, Michael and Simon's parents were coming out as well um, so we set the caravan up. Everything was packed. They just had to um, do some extra stuff like on the farm there before we went out. So Simon and I were like, look, we're going to go out and we'll meet you out there. We're going to get an afternoon hunting. So we've taken off. Beautiful afternoon. Like it was, yeah, it was cool. Um, not windy. Just perfect, mate. Like, yeah, one of those afternoons where you feel like the deer are going to be on. Um, we get out to the property. We jump out, we suit up, you know, we get our guns out, we load them up, we have a few words and we have a bit of a photo shoot, which is pretty funny. There's some funny photos from that shoot, <laughs> by the way. And yeah. um, <laughs> we um, get into this get into this scrub. Like we're walking through the scrub and it's quite thick. And I'm, I'm just thinking, like, from what I've seen on YouTube and, and what I've heard from mates as well, um, a mate of mine, um, Jonathan, was giving me some advice as well before I went down. And he's just like, wind in your face, um, go slow, listen, um, and, you know, look around, like, just checking out everything. Um, I got onto this game trail, walking through the bush, and I'm like, okay, slowed myself down. I'm looking looking around, walking slow. I found some fresh sign of prints on the, on the track I was on. So I'm cruising along, and I'm coming up to this, like, not a... Not real thick, but kind of like thickish, like with um, short trees with plenty of shade. And it was the afternoon. And I thought, you know, it could be a chance there might be deer under here. These tracks are going straight there. I've come up to this spot and there's this, there's a, like a bedded bedding um, area for the deer. And there's a fresh one there, which still had a little bit of hair in it. And it was red deer hair. Um You know, probably an hour, 20 minutes has gone past by this time walking up to that spot. And um, Simon goes, oh, we better get, we better, you know, get going, like head start heading back soon because we'll head back to camp and meet Hey, the when someone says be- that, that's when all the action always tends to happen. Yeah, <laughs> let's yeah, go mate. or let's get out of here or let's get up or whatever it may be. Yep, yep. So he said that and I'm like, okay, because I'm starting to get into this. Like I'm pumped, like just loving it. And um, I've just, like, he's gone, okay, so all right, what are you going to do? He goes, we'll just beeline back car so we just beeline back to this car and I'm walking through um you know like your bracken fern so I'm cruising through the bracken fern like with a few like 
uh, stringy bark trees around, and I come to this bit of a clearing, like about, I don't know, 100 metres across by about 50 metres, like just a bit of this patch in the scrub. And I hear this massive roar come out from the other end of it, and um, I see this red stag walking out roaring. And I'm like, far out. I try to get a rest on the um, on a tree in front of me because I was shaking too much to freehand shoot him. And um, where he was standing, I couldn't get a shot past this other tree that was blocking my shot. So I walked to my left to get a shot off another tree, and I couldn't get a shot off of there. So I've had to freehand shoot this deer at 100 metres, and I've hit him a bit far back. He's bolted across and like towards me on an angle, and I shot him again. And then um, he's just disappeared into the bit of the thick, and I'm like far out. I don't even I don't even know whether he's dead. What's going on? I'm just didn't know what to do, so I've just ran straight after it. I've taken off chasing this deer, <laughs> yeah. and um, adrenaline's just pumping through my blood. And then I'm chasing like chasing this um, deer, and then he's just got got away from me like up in front. So I've just stopped, and I'm like, what do I do now? I put my gun against the tree and I've just climbed straight up to this tr- up to this fork in this tree and I've looked out over the top and there he is, slowly walking about 200 metres in front of me. So I jumped down, grabbed my gun and I've just walked up, like just slowly walking towards that spot where he was. And then I can hear Simon calling out. So I've turned around and just said, I'm over here, give me a minute. And then I've gone another 50 metres and I've hit this other little clear patch and I've seen him walking off to my right, and then I've just put a, um, a follow-up shot through the front of him, and, yeah, he's fallen over. I've got no idea what size his deer is, what's going on with his with his antlers or anything. I didn't really think much, too much about that back then. So I've seen him fall over. He's down and out for the count, and then I'm, like, pumped as, and I'm, like, I didn't know whether to go over there or whatever to see the animal, so I've just called out for Simon again and gone and caught up with him and brought him back to this deer. And we've both walked over there to the animal and we've gone, what the heck have I shot? It's an 18-point red stag. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So wow. <laughs> if you first um, actual stalking trophy hunting um, on, a, on, a, on a stag or a, or a buck, and I've shot this 18-point red stag. So that's how it all started with my passion for um, stalking deer. Yeah, man, it's a wonderful experience as I out there, man. You can just, you know. Yeah, and then we're standing there over the top of this um, beautiful red stag, and I said to Simon, I said, I'm going to take this out and uh, mount it. Do you know how to do it? And he's like, no. So I've never caped a deer out. He's never caped a deer out. We've got no phone service, um, and we've got no knives, man. No, no knives on me at all at this stage. So this is full amateur style, what I was doing. Yeah, yeah. And um, the only thing he had on him was a Leatherman pocket knife, like, a, like you know, the Leatherman multi-tool. Yeah, yeah. So I've used the Leatherman multi-tool knife out of there to cape out this red stag and butcher it all up in the field. <laughs> so, hey, Leatherman, they always say they work, eh? So why not? Hey, you've got to use the tools at hand, you know? Oh, mate, if you haven't got one of them, then you're going to need to get yourself one because I'll get you out of trouble. Mine's got me out of trouble lots of times. Exactly. You never know <laughs> when you yeah, need something or, yeah. Yeah, so did all that. Um, even though I've driven down there, sighted in my new rifle, gone out, hunted this red stag and, sh- and, and harvested him, um, I've caped it out up 
from the front shoulders to the head, um, back of the head, and then cut that off. Um, and cat got the back straps, the back legs, and whatnot. We fully loaded coming out of the bush. I then say to um, Simon and Michael, and, and that were there by then, I've said to the lads, look, I've got to go find a taxidermist. Who do I go and see? So I've gone to a hill and got service and Googled um, taxidermist and whatever else, <clears throat> and it's come up with only taxidermist in Adelaide. So I've driven back to Adelaide after <laughs> after this hunting <laughs> expedition slash whatever else. Um, and got this gear to the taxidermist. I've then come back to my house. Um, in the process of cut, caping out the deer, I've cut my finger pretty bad with the leatherman. So I've, I've gone home, got changed my shirt, taken myself to Flinders to get stitches. I've come back home and then driven myself back down the farm for a morning hunt. <laughs> all, on, all on adrenaline from that hunt. Oh, man, I'm sure that was... Yeah, yeah, wonderful experience, man. Hey, eh? when you you know you're able to get something on the ground and make it come to fruition. And I tell you what, like I, as much as we say, you know, I've got to give the butchers, man, respect. I mean, people think, oh yeah, butcher, you know, they're just a but- people butchering meat. But man, that's a skill, man. It, caping, butchering, mate. There's a lot you can learn from butchers and that, and getting better at you know caping out animals and and oh, taking definitely. all the meats and, and all the cuts. And yeah, it's unbelievable. Even just sharpening a knife, mate. If you've got a butcher mate or whatever, just mm. get him to show you how to use a steel. Because if you've got a good knife, like an, an F dick or a um, a six inch boning knife or whatever, which is my favourite knife. Yep. Um, just honing that edge on a good steel. Um, a butcher can show you how to do that if you're not sure. And that there can save you hours in the bush, man, having a good edge. Just flick it over an F-dick steel, bang, you're laughing, you're back into exactly, it. Exactly, yep. I've got a couple um, of those. They've got an F-dick, a couple of Victorian oxes. Uh, yeah. Maybe a Gerber one. I can't yep. remember what they're called. But, yeah, a lot of the, you know, guys, they're the best ones. Go get They're not that expensive too, eh? They're really good. Go get some butcher's knives. They're only relatively cheap, as uh, yeah, Josh said. Yeah, about 25 bucks on average. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And those boning knives or six inch boning knife, I think I've even said a five incher, um, you know, semi flex yep. or whatever. Some of the, you can get the flex, semi flex, mixture of both. Get a, you know, spend a hundred bucks and get some good knives, guys. Really, really a good investment. Oh, save, save your hours in the paddock, especially if you can whip them out. I've got a, um, the Optic Hunting Knife Sheath roll with a few of their knives as well, which I've had for a couple of years now. They're awesome as well. If the guys want, you know, a good set of knives that, um, work really well and are affordable and you get like a, a bulletproof pouch um, hit up the optic hunting guys to um, sort you out for a set of knives that good all right guys if you want to check him out let me just scroll back to the top because i've <laughs> scrolled down for all your photos just to get some information for my uh, uh, inspiration i should say for my questions if you want to check him out go to hainsey 0307 that's h-i-n-e-s-y 0307 on instagram you can check on facebook too Josh, uh, thanks for your time, man. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks, Heath, mate. You've been listening to an episode of the Australian Hunting Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. See you next time.